0: Welcome to the e commerce growth show, brought to you by Segmentify, the fast, lean learning machine, the fastest learning, most revenue generating personalization platform for e commerce.
1: Hello, and welcome to this, the first episode of a brand new podcast. Kudos to you for getting in early ahead of your competition. So this is The E-Commerce Growth Show, a podcast formed of regular series, each of which is going to focus on a different important topic in the world of e-commerce. For this, our first series, so many firsts, uh, we're focusing in on what you, as a retailer, need to know about to take your sales growth to the next level in 2020. We've got six episodes coming up in this series, each focusing in a different area that's essential for e-commerce growth. Our guests come from some of the leading technology providers in the e-commerce space. So if you want to know exactly what the tech stack opportunities are in 2020, you are listening to the right show. In this episode, we're looking at websites. Next time, it's going to be on-site personalization, And then we're going to look at getting traffic to your site, payments, reviews and the post-purchase experience. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss a single episode. I'm Chloe Thomas. I'm host of the e commerce master plan podcast and best selling author of multiple books on e commerce and co host of this show, too. And I'm joined on every episode of this series by Phil Kay of Segmentify. Hello, Phil.
0: Hi, Chloe. How are you doing?
1: I'm all right. How are you?
0: Yeah, great. Thank you.
1: I'm interested to hear what we're going to find out from Mark in this episode. But why did you want to include Big Commerce and Mark in this series?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, I've been in the sector for quite a while now and I've known commerce for, for a number of years. And I've always been very keen to um, understand really about why they're so successful in the market. What are they doing that's important for merchants to understand, particularly if they are looking to uh, migrate from an existing platform or at least understand uh, what is going on in the marketplace within the e-commerce world um, for their businesses. Um, and so, you know, knowing that kind of big commerce is a kind of a, this headless technology, which I'm not actually fully understanding myself, you know, but obviously we'll learn more from, from Mark. Um, but the idea of this kind of importance of performance and scalability in a, in a simple way to both the merchant and then obviously that then uh, knocking on to the customers is clearly something that's very, very important. And I know that big commerce are a big, player in that space of trying to do that for their merchants. So on that basis, I thought it would be very interesting to hear from, you know, a senior guy who basically, you know, um, built up the team in, in in EMEA for that.
1: Excellent. Well, I'm sure we're going to learn lots about that from Mark in a moment or two. So should we should we get him on?
0: Absolutely. Let's do it.
1: It's time to welcome our guest. Mark Adams is head of Europe at BigCommerce, a platform that deals with security and scalability to enable enterprise brands to fast track their growth and build differentiated commerce experiences across multiple channels. With over $17 billion worth of merchant sales having gone through the platform in over 135 countries, it's fair to say that BigCommerce know what they're doing. Mark's been in the e-commerce world for almost 20 years, advising market-leading brands and retailers and focusing on the technology stack side of things.
2: Hello, Mark. Hi, Chloe. How are you doing?
1: Great to have you here, and um, I'm excited to talk tech, aren't you, Phil?
0: Absolutely. So, Mark, thank you so much for coming today. Um, Why don't you um, give us a little bit about um, yourself in terms of... um, Anything memorable that might have happened to you since you've been working at Big Commerce?
2: Wow, um, lots of memorable things. We've obviously, uh, I was the first employee on the ground in EMEA in Europe and uh, built the team. So uh, that's been a pretty interesting journey over the last 18, 19 months. Um, the, the thing I think that sticks out for me actually was my interview process. So I, I got introduced to Big Commerce via An acquaintance that was the CEO of one of BigCommerce's uh, partners, key partners. And when I uh, started interviewing for the role, I I went out to Austin. I think I had about fourteen interviews over two days, all in all, with various execs. Um, And the one that stood out was as CFO. So, uh, and it was the one I was most worried about because. my background is whilst has been in e-commerce, on the professional services side of implementing and supporting customers with uh, implementing e-commerce solutions, uh, I'd, I'd not worked at a SaaS technology vendor before and you know, SaaS businesses have some quite um, unique things about them in terms of how they scale, how they grow, the KPIs that are measured that are important to SaaS businesses such as, you know, um, lifetime customer value, cost of acquisition, Annual recurring revenues, growth rates—all of these things I had to swat up on for this CFO interview uh, with uh, a guy called Robert Alvarez. And he he uh, kicked off the interview. We started talking about my background, and then he just said, "Right, tell me about yourself. Tell me about what um, is important in a leader. Uh, how do you build a team?" It was all the soft stuff that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting to be you know, QA'd on financials, SAS metrics, and all these things. And it was just really all about people. Uh, and it transpires that Robert's actually the culture champion in the He's the CFO, uh, has been there, um, one of the longest serving individuals in the company. And he's just totally interested in how people feel, how, how, you, how, you, how people learn, how people grow, and the impact that, you know, as technology leaders, we can have on people's careers and, and their lives and it was an amazing meeting and um, I, you know, I now spend once a month uh, talking to him about that kind of stuff so uh, that's that's kind of what for me set the scene for what it you know what life uh, was going to be like at Commerce. Wow
0: yeah that's great that cultural side is so important isn't it?
1: And who would expect a CFO to be the, the culture lead? <laughs> Sorry yeah, to is. all CFOs yeah. listening but yeah, <laughs>
2: Totally bizarre. bizarre. I've never, I've never come across that before.
0: Yeah, yeah, amazing. I suppose it's amazing you've had the opportunity to actually build the culture from the ground up in Amir, as yeah. well. it's been such a, a great thing to do.
2: It is. It's something we focus on a lot. So um, the first the first year in market was 2019. Uh, we were kind of ramping the team, uh, and so you know, achieving some targets, onboarding customers, building out the core the core team was really important. Actually, our objective for 2020, yes, is to continue to grow uh, pretty fast. We've got some aggressive targets, but I'm less worried about that because I'm I'm fairly sure that's going to happen um, because of the success that our merchants are having and um, and we're having in the market. But I'm more interested really in building a foundation within our team here in London that it, it becomes the the team that will go and launch us across EMEA over the next two or three years. So building capabilities in individuals, the management structures, the organizational
0: structure that will support that growth. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I mean, we're talking about, you know, in, in, in many ways, the sort of disruption that's going on in the market is, is, is clearly partially at least to do with the culture of the companies and the technology they have. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on the current market in terms of, you know, so much going on um, in the e-commerce uh, world in general at the moment?
2: I, I think, I think you're right. Um, so if you, if you look really at where the disruption is coming from, and, let, and let's just pick e-commerce, it's not just happening from a, an e-commerce platform perspective. It's happening across the stack in CRM, in customer management, personalization technologies, presentation layer technologies, uh, PWAs, headless, all, you know, th- th- there's a whole bunch of technologies coming to market that are changing the game for, for merchants, um, allowing them to be more agile, allowing them to run technology much more simply, um, to get live quicker, to change and make changes quicker to uh, the e-commerce experience and, and that's all helping customers grow. I don't think, in, certainly in the last 15, 20 years that I've been in eCom, uh, almost, almost since really it started, uh, you know, back in the late 90s, early, early 2000s. Has there been the rate of disruption from technology vendors that there is today, kind of at, at any point?
1: I have said I find I completely agree with you, Mark. It is in my career to see how the process of picking and choosing and working with a website provider has has changed in just the last couple of years is is crazy it's and i think there's there's a lot of retailers struggling to catch up with how the game has changed you know i often come across retailers who who are really struggling to just do something basic like create a google shopping feed or integrate a new payment provider because they're still in the old world if that makes sense and it's i think it, it's it's a lot for for the individual e-commerce business to manage to catch up with on how they can now embrace this new world are there Are there any key things from their perspective you think are are brilliant about what's happening?
2: Yeah. So when you think about that old world, Chloe, I think what it is, is where you you kind of procured an e-commerce platform, but then you have to bolt everything together yourself or you get an agency to do it. Uh, You have to bolt in the payment gateway. You have to bolt in some of the solutions. You have to configure, integrate, um, customize that front end, whatever it might be, and, and that would take an awful lot of time to do and money. And actually those, those technologies uh, over the last 10 years have evolved, become even more complex uh, and, and now many of them have been acquired by big technology vendors like Adobe acquiring Magento, like SAP acquiring Hybris and Salesforce acquiring, um, uh, you know, Demandware and what, what, what happened is that just complexity has exploded. Uh, and so merchants are struggling with this this complexity, struggling with the costs of, of running um, their e commerce technology stack. Uh, whilst at the at the low end of the market, what's been happening is relatively new to market players, such as Big Commerce, have come in, provided a really simple, easy to use, integrated app, properly out of the box, where literally the the merchant is pointing and clicking to deploy payment gateway solutions, tax shipping solutions, personalization technologies, uh, whatever it might be, literally point and clicking on those. So they're up and running a fraction of the time with less complexity, uh, less customization, and, and they're trading. And these disruptors, these disruptive technologies, and it's happening across the piece in ERP, in content management, in, in, in e-commerce platform, for example, um, uh, have, have evolved out of the low end of the market, right? Because in the low end of the market, you had to solve that complexity problem because the merchants, they couldn't afford, didn't have the time or the skills to actually go and plug everything together. Um, and so the last few years in particular, these, these SMB-based technologies have evolved to support fast-growing, large, more complex merchants. And that's the journey that big commerce has been on. And what we do then really is make things a whole lot, Easier, um, much lower cost, and much quicker to implement and chain and make change, uh, and react to market environments with building out new functionality very, very quickly and at a fraction of the cost that they were able to do that previously, and that provides them with uh, a competitive advantage now. And, and And this is this is what I when I talk about disruption, I think this is what's happening, and it's great for the merchant and it's great for the consumer because now the consumer gets. Uh, a more responsive experience that's tailored to them uh, and it's constantly changing and evolving.
1: It's almost like, from my perspective, and I'm nowhere near as deep in the tech side of things as you are, Mark, so do correct me if I've got this wrong, but from my perspective, it feels like last year in 2019, we reached the point where it wasn't just the the new fast, you know, brand new small businesses that had suddenly gone fast who we were hearing about on these new platforms. It was actually existing big businesses going, kind of almost peering over the hedge and going, gosh, life looks really easy over there. <laughs> Maybe it's time for me me to go to one of these new players in the market. And across multiple multiple platform types, we seem to be seeing that. And what that seems to now be creating is that. The disruption that's happened in the tech sector has now shifted to disruption in the commerce sector, and I think the businesses that we see succeed over the you know next five ten years, actually no, let's grab that next three five years because who knows where we're going to be in ten years' time, but they're going to be the businesses, the retailers who have made that shift from old school tech onto new school tech because the speed of implementation, the speed of of implementing strategies and improving results is just so much easier.
2: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on on the head and and this has been driven by the consumer, right? So the consumer's expectations around uh, the experience they receive when they walk into a store, whether shopping online um, or or on a mobile device or or however, is that it's Amazon-like. And we all know how much amazon spends on on their technology platform how often it changes how quickly it changes um and and that's the level of expectation that you know retailers in this country have to keep pace with um but they don't have the resources that amazon has they don't have the budgets that amazon has so they need to achieve achieve the same thing with similar types of budgets that they've had previously but they need to do more they need to do it faster they need to, to get um, the experience integrated so that the consumer, uh, wherever they come in via social, uh, purchasing through social channels, purchasing in a kiosk, in a store, on a mobile device, that that experience is seamless and that the customer gets what they want, how they want it, when they want it. Um, and, you know, technology is the enabler to solve that for sure, and I think that's what we're seeing from the disruption perspective. But you've also got to look at what the challenges are in retail today. Um, you, you've got competitive forces you've got increased costs whether that might be in the labor market business rates their technology stacks for example they need to do more with less and I think there's a recognition that to to, to, to stay competitive that you you've got to meet that challenge and and, and I think you know whether it's the, the, your technology strategy or Know how you run your team um, and what that team focuses on. My argument would be to retailers: Why are you focusing uh, a large part of your, you know, e-commerce budget on keeping the service up, on uh, trying to upgrade the technology and, and patch a security issue, when actually you should be focused on trying to grow the business, growing top line revenue, improving conversion rates, providing experiences across different channels. Um, that's where the focus should be, and I think think too much of it is spent on kind of the plumbing and keeping the lights on Uh, and that is that's just a complete waste of money Um, and it's this mindset change that I think is happening as well in the market uh, with businesses both large and small that they need partners that will help them uh, you know meet that challenge.
1: Yeah I think there's there is that when you move from old school to new school tech, you do get that ability to start spending time on the stuff that matters rather than, as you say, maintaining the plumbing, which in our lives, we all gave up on maintain, maintaining the plumbing a long time ago to focus on far more interesting things because that's kind of that de- dealt with for us. And I think that's, that's one of the benefits that often gets overlooked by retailers when they're making those purchasing decisions. I guess um, if someone who's listening and i'm sure many of them do um to this podcast has the whole i need to find a new website platform on their to-do list for 2020 what are the what are the key things they should be considering when making that decision because you know in the old days it was the retailers left to try and work out if the platform would work <laughs> um, but we've gone a long way past that now so what what should be on their decision making list
2: um i think top of mind should be the the cost of ownership, um, for the the technology decisions that you're making. And I, and I don't think often this is entirely understood or or documented or worked out. So cost of ownership, isn't just around what the technology will cost to procure. It's, it's what it's going to cost to implement. It's, it's the level of resources that it's going to chew up in your organization to, to get live. Um, and that kind of talks to the complexity story. The more complex something is, the more um, the more people and processes and guidance you need, right? Um, but then you've got to run the whole thing. Then you've got to integrate it, um, and, and the costs of that ongoing maintenance, management, trading need to be factored into. When, so that that's the thing that I would uh, very much, you know, kind of be telling retailers they need to look at. I think. Then they need to think really, really heavily about how how integrated into the, the wider technology ecosystem their vendor is, uh, and and so if you're having to pay uh, and spend time on all of those additional integrations every single time, um, then you end up trying to integrate this new personalization engine or rating and reviews engine or the new payment gateway or your ERP warehouse management tool or whatever it might be Uh, and it stops you if you're having to take, forget about the cost for one minute, it's it's of course costly to do that but it's also the time it takes and if it's taking up time that means you're focusing on again a technology uh, process of of integration, it's chewing up resources, you're not focused the team on the things that you need to be focused on which is investing for growth. And investing in the kind of things that are going to help you grow.
1: And if that integration takes six weeks to build, whereas if you're on another platform, it takes thirty seconds to click and plug and connect, then you've then presumably you were moving to that technology for a really good reason. So you've lost six weeks of optimization. You've lost six weeks of performance um, because it's it's that bit more difficult.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's this is the mindset change that I think needs needs to happen. Um, and this is why at Commerce we were very focused on trying to own those integrations more closely. So, making it literally, there's no technical intervention for deploying those third parties. Um, and, you know, a lot of vendors in lots of different technology disciplines are moving in this way, particularly the SaaS vendors. Um, and it's all about simplicity, making it easier for the merchant, um, allowing them to plug these things in. And not focus over too much resource and, and time on that. You think as well that the reason want to uh, one of the ways in which you can grow. Sorry, is that you continually innovate the experience. So that takes development effort. If all of your developers are tied up doing those integrations and other tasks like testing and these things, then again it's stopping them from focus on, on on developing cool stuff that's going to yeah. A, with a, a better customer experience and, and that's where I think there needs to be a shift of resource to technology tasks, um, mundane technology tasks through to stuff that's actually interesting for the person working on it, but it's also going to be a driver of growth for the business.
1: So does this now mean that the the choice of agency to build your website and the choice of tech are kind of inseparably linked? in your decision-making process, they, they go hand in hand. It's not about, I found a great agency, we'll build with whatever they want to build with. It's not about, I found a great piece of tech, let's try and find an agency that can do it. It's kind of the two together. Are they equally important?
2: Um, well, I come from that world, that agency world, actually. That, that, that was my background before joining BC. So I would definitely say yes to that. And I would have said yes then. You know, Procuring the technology is often one of the easier things to do. Um, implementing it, getting it live, um, m- much harder. Now, certainly, big BigCommerce um, helps solve that problem um, through you know, lower complexity, quicker time to market. Um, but what it means is that you might be asking now your agency to do slightly different things. So if we're focused on trying to grow revenue conversion in different channels, actually, we need agencies um, that have the skill set to to do that, not just a development agency anymore. And I think this is the other thing I'm seeing in the market. And certainly when I look at our partner community, we really look for agencies that have uh, a cross-functional skill set. Yes, they can do development on, on big commerce, great. Um, tick, if they've, they've, they've got that, but can they advise the customer on how to grow their business, on where they should be focusing their marketing budget and investments and on experience and these types of things. And those types of agencies are a much better fit for for that because that's what we want to be doing for the customer. Um, And so you begin to see the profile now, I think, of a lot of agencies beginning to change where they're less development, resource intensive, and they're more consulting focused and, you know, advisory and uh, growth minded.
1: Yeah, certainly I I echo that. I'm seeing those who've made the shift from old world to new world tech, finding that all those all those time benefits we've talked about, about your team not having to do this, that, and the other, your agency isn't having to deal with the plumbing either. So they're able to help you take things to the next level rather than just keep things ticking over at ground level, as it were. They're adding more value to that relationship,
2: and therefore they're, they're, they're treated more as a partner than just a, a resource for development.
1: Mark, we've spoken quite a bit about big commerce um are obviously one of those leading the charge of this world this move from old world to new world do you want to tell us a bit about um big commerce specifically and how the listeners can get in touch with you and the big commerce team if they if they're interested in finding out more
2: indeed well the, the simplest thing to do would be go to our website uh, www.bigcommerce.com and .co.uk and get a a feeling for the kind of merchants we Support. have a look at some of those case studies and the brands that are using us and the platform features and functions and, and our partner network and ecosystem. Um, if you would like to talk to us directly, a couple of ways to do that, reach out to me. Uh, if you would like to, mark.adams at bigcommerce.co.uk uh, or bigcommerce.com. Um, and actually, we're at IRX in Birmingham, um, the IRX event in Birmingham on 8, April 1st and 2nd at booth. Number fifty nine. So we welcome people to come down and and have a chat to us and our partners um, over those two days.
1: Excellent. I'll see you there too. <laughs> Such a good event, IRX. Anyone who's listening, thoroughly recommend you go along and um, and attend. And if you get to go and chat to the big commerce team, so much the better. Um, so uh, I think Phil wanted to, uh, to, to press you a little bit more on the ins and outs of big commerce at this point. Sure,
0: yeah, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot, actually. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been uh, really, really interesting for me coming from the technology space that kind of support platforms like yourselves. Um, I think the biggest thing I've learned is that the, the reason why you guys are so, doing so well and disrupting that market um, is, as you say, the responsiveness of the platform to change as that journey of that uh, brand is evolving for their customers and taking away that pain so that they can focus on what they really need to do, which is drive that customer lifetime value um, in, uh, in driving you know the uh, conversion and all the other things that they're, they're trying to do for their customers and give them the best experience. So I've learned, I've learned a lot just why it's such an important disruption that's going on. I mean, all I would just ask you really um, is an opportunity for you. I mean, there's a number of platforms out there in the space at the moment. Um, clear that a brand might explore um, when looking for this right sort of disruptive technology to achieve those goals you've been talking about, uh, you know, less plumbing and, and more focused on customer experience. What would you say, if you were to boil it down, would be the defining factor or two um, as to why it's very important for our listeners and merchants uh, in general to engage with commerce? So
2: I'm going to come back and talk about what's going on in the market, uh, again, with technologies, e-commerce technologies. If you look at the last 10 years, all of the leading e-commerce technology platforms have been acquired by large um, global technology companies. Uh, And those e-commerce technologies have become applications in a wider technology stack, right? And those vendors are focused on trying to integrate everything and say, well, we've got a vision to support you with absolutely every technology that you need and, and this is our vision. The, the problem with that vision is unless you are one of the uh, retailers with the deepest pockets, you simply can't afford that uh, unless you have um, you know, a significant amount of internal capability, technology capability, delivery capability, skill sets, project program management, business analysis. All of those things that it really requires to get a project off the ground with some of those technologies. Um, I don't think they're a good fit. I also think that the disruption from uh, technologies like the commerce coming to market um, is happening at a far faster pace than any of those big tech firms can keep up with or indeed acquire uh, as, as they realise they don't actually solve that problem. And I think the merchants themselves are going, well, I don't think, you know, whether it's, it's, it's big player A, big player B are going to provide me with the best tool for the job that I need to do at the right price point in the right time frame. And I think fundamentally that's what's happening and, and that's how we're disrupting the market um, and players like us, you know, it's not, it's not just big commerce in, in e-commerce, but it's you guys in, um, in, in, the, in the personalization space. Um, it's partners like you know Bright Pearl that we have in the LP space and, and so on and so forth. That
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark.
1: Thanks, Mark. It's been great getting you on the podcast today and uh, it's been thoroughly interesting talking about such such a fascinating area, something which fascinates me and I'm sure um, many of the pieces of advice you've given will help the listeners on their tech journey this year. So, um, so thanks for being on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks, Mark. Great. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks, Phil. Take care.
1: So, Phil, as um as someone who also works for a disruptive, new world, non worrying about the plumbing technology business, um, what did what did you take from our chat with Mark there?
0: Sure, I mean, I think I, I kind of mentioned it to Mark at the end with my sort of you know my last question, but I certainly learned about the how important it is getting my head into the merchants' uh, world and thinking oh, a minute, what what are they trying to do? You know, they're trying to focus on giving each and every customer visitor to their website, you know the best experience possible. You know the most opportunity to become loyal to their brand, um, and you know increase that such you know critically important customer lifetime value. And just realizing that if you are mucking about in patching this and updating that and trying to plug in that and then talking you know, to you know, so many, I don't know, different vendors or whatever it might be to try and understand which parts of the ecosystem to plug into your, your platform. I mean, it's such a massive waste of the time that you should be putting into actually growing your business. And I think that what I picked up from the chat with Mark is that the reason why they're successful and disrupting it is because they're taking all that off the table with a platform that is you know, best of breed in terms of already providing that plug and play ecosystem and platform that then allows them to do that. Um, So that's really helpful for me to understand the positioning, if you like, as to why big commerce is successfully disrupting the kind of market in the UK. At the end of the day, I learned about the cost of ownership side of things as well linked to that.
1: Oh, yeah, I thought that was such a such a good point for Mark to make because it's so easy just to look at the build cost of the actual website and forget about everything else. Yeah, you
0: know, and if those changes are happening on an ongoing basis, which they clearly are going to be, which I've never really thought about before, you don't just set up a website, plug a few bits and pieces in and you are done it forever. It's an ongoing journey, you know. I've just realised that. And so if that journey is really difficult and takes a lot of time, you, you know, you're only a small team or even if you're a big team, you know, you've got a lot of other stuff to do. So you can't invest in that growth activity because that downtime is basically an opportunity cost for that
1: yeah there's um that's something which it's obviously quite hard to um to calculate but it has to be a factor in deciding what platform you're going you're you're moving to next because making the wrong choice is just so costly
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: I hope all of you got some great takeaways from this episode too, especially that if your tech stack is holding you back, then change it. If that is you, then the good news is that over the next five episodes, we're going to be diving further into the world of the tech stack and how it can enable you to speed up your e-commerce sales growth. You can get the full transcript of this episode, that's everything we've said, at segmentify.com forward slash podcast. There you'll also find details of the whole series, as well as links to get a free demo of Segmentify. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be hearing from Segmentify's very own Morat Soysal. We'll be learning about the ins and outs and the practical applications of on-site personalization software. This is an area I thought I already knew a lot about, but it turns out that all the disruption we've been chatting to Mark about is having an impact on the on-site personalization world too. So I've had some catching up to do. If you want to stay up, make sure you too tune in to our next episode.
0: Put us to the test and let us prove we can drive more revenue for you. Sign up for a completely free proof of concept or split test against your current provider set up and optimised by our team within a few days at segmentify.com slash demo.